Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining us tonight on Episode 33, Season 2 of The Standoff with Brad and Richie here on New Zealand Sport Radio. We're here live every Wednesday on Facebook throughout the season. Good evening, Richie. Um, how was your First weekend with no NRL. Evening, Brad. I'm glad to be here talking a bit of footy with you because it's, yeah, I'm a bit like a, a lost soul with no NRL there. It's, I'm having to try my hands at other sports and watching rugby union and, and football and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's nice to be talking footy with you, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, while we're here live on Wednesdays um, at 8 p.m., you can also catch our show via our podcast on iHeartRadio at your convenience. Just remember to search for New Zealand Sport Radio. See Simon's here. Evening, Simon. Uh, as always, we're going to be covering everything you need to know in the week that was Rugby League, including our top stories of the week, a review of the Super League final. We'll then recap the New Zealand National League matches. Um, then we'll stop and answer some questions from all of you, as well as some questions we've got for each other before ending the night announcing our winners of the standoff awards and taking some time to reflect on our second season since this is our finale for the year. Um, so remember to send us comments and questions throughout the show, and we may as well just jump straight into the top stories. Sounds good, mate. Um, so I think we've got a, a picture here from Paul, but the Kiwis have named their World Cup wider training squad. We've got it there. There's quite a quite a quite a stack. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the list, Richie? Any surprises? No huge surprises for me, mate. Uh, I know there's a couple of names on there which probably won't won't end up in the in the team. I mean, I think uh, Josh Schuster's one that's already come out and said he's you know his heart set on playing it over the other side of the ditch. Uh, for his rep footy, so um, that's at least one out. But yeah, it's yeah. otherwise very strong. I think the forwards are very strong, and I think pretty much everyone that you named in your Kiwi forward pack earlier in the series have made it. Um, yeah. The halves are good. I, the only place I think Aussie might have it over us would be the the back five, the outside backs. Um, not that we've got a bad outside back. Um, outside backs, but probably not the elite level like Australia has. 
Yeah, well, they've when you look at fullbacks alone, there you could probably argue uh, like three, three or four of the top fullbacks in the world are all Australian. So yeah, um, exactly. With with Roger no longer there, we kind of lose a step in that fullback department. But um, yeah, I'm the same as you. Not too many surprises. I do, I do like. I, I have a few union friends that. Um, always give me a bit of stick about the Kiwis approach of just naming people without discussing it with them on if they actually want to play yeah. for the, for New Zealand, um, like Schuster, Schuster obviously wants to play origin. Um, I think everyone knows that. So I don't know why they, they picked him, but um, I suppose it's, you throw everyone's name in the hat and hopefully maybe some of them will go, no, actually I, I want to play for the Kiwis instead of origin, but um, yeah, suppose you don't know if you don't ask, but exactly. yeah, I think, think it's a good, um, good team makes me a little bit more interested in the, in the world cup. Now, sorry guys, I, but, but I thought they'd can the world cup. So they weren't going to go. Um, this is for next year now. So they've postponed. just postponed it, but they've named uh, an early, an early squad um, to let the the right ones know with a year to go, basically that they're in the running. Um, they had an outside, I think it was called Notable Players, which was the next tier down, which had um, like four Warriors. People had Adam Pompey, Bunty Afoa, and the likes. Just like the next step down to say, like you guys are in our thoughts. Um, depending on how you go next year, this could be you. Um. Okay, so, yeah, Zang, you, so they, they've named a squad for a team that's not going to play for the next 12 months. And yes, they've yes. also named some, they've named, so they named a wider squad of that. And then they've named some other people who we might think about as well. Yes. I, it's, yeah, come on, it's not hard right. to understand, Paul. It's, 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 it's pretty straightforward. Isn't this, isn't this kind of a bit pointless? Um, Am I missing, missing something here? Why, why, uh, why bother naming it? I, I don't want to say it's pointless, but um, Australia haven't done it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark's here, evening Mark, and Mark's also said there, there's been 86 players in total named. So um, it's basically, if you can play for the Kiwis, you've been named. Um, I'm surprised. I, I looked and my name wasn't there for some reason. Yeah, same. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty big omission. Yeah. So, so hang on. So, uh, so, uh, I mean, I, I, obviously, I know that uh, the league doesn't have quite the same number of players on the pitch as, um, as, as rugby union. But are they now having twenty players on the pitch, another twenty um, uh, replacements on the sideline as well? I mean, eighty-six players. What, what, uh, again, seems well, it'll uh, be cut. It'll be cut down for the World Cup, Paul. But oh, okay. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, this isn't. This is just the. That's why it's the wider squad. It'll get cut down. I don't. I can't remember how many they took to the last World Cup. Um, I think it was it like thirty or thirty-two, Richie. I think you're onto it. I, I can't remember exactly, but it's in that ballpark. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I'm not too sure why, because we've had no news of any internationals being played now. So I don't think that's happening um, this off season. I think the NRL have decided they're just stopping everything um, until the new season gets underway. Um, but yeah, um, Mark's also yeah, Mark, exactly yeah. They're, um, Mark said they've basically named every eligible Kiwi um, in the NRL, which is effectively what they've done. I, I I guess they're testing the market early 
to see if there's any guys that potentially um, might swing from playing for Australia. So they're like just putting the so, feelers so, so, out there now. So rather than phone around all the players and say, hey, would you like to play for us? They just thought, hey, just name we'll, 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 name, we'll do a mass press release of everybody and see who complains. And those that complain, yeah. we won't pick again. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, the, it happened like this last um, when all the like Fenua Blake, Fusatua, um, and all that jump ship to Tonga. They were named mm. in the Kiwi squad, and then the next day said they were playing for Tonga. And it's like this: if you had had a conversation with said players beforehand, it could have saved a bit of embarrassment on both sides. Um, no, but at least that time there were games to play, right? Now it's that's great. Now there aren't even games to play, so. It's quite, yeah. yeah, we can't be asked phoning you because we can't afford the phone calls. It's cheap for us just to put a, put it put on social media and just and, and, and then uh, and then just follow your follow your Insta account. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, Mark and Simon both made some good comments. So Mark said Schuster has already knocked them back, um, nominating Origin and Oz. I thought, yeah, I thought that was a foregone conclusion because he was pretty keen to play Origin this year. And Simon also said France and England are playing an international at the mm. end of the month. So, yeah, um, it's great for the Northern Hemisphere. It would have been nice to have um, some form of internationals down here. Uh, but yeah. them's the breaks when it was meant to be a World Cup. But, yeah, so um, thanks for putting up the picture, Paul. And um, we'll, we'll get into the only bit of Naughty Boy Corner I really have um, this week, unfortunately. Or fortunately, I guess you could say. Um, the Panthers had to be investigated for damaging the Proven Summons Trophy during the grand final celebrations. I'm sure you would have seen a lot of this, Richie, but um, they they appear to have broken the trophy and we're doing unsavory things with said trophy and it's it's racked a lot of people up. Um, as the, the Panthers fan of the two of us, what are your thoughts on, on the celebration? antics um i know greg alexander's come out this week saying that they've taken their celebrations a bit too far uh but what do you think well if you're breaking the breaking the prize then you probably have gone a bit far i mean do you need to re- really be celebrating with the tr- with the trophy there while you're probably doing unsavory things so I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not too sure but yeah if you've gone and broken the trophy, it's, it's not the best look. It reminds me of the, I think the Crusaders did it last year with the Super Rugby Aotearoa trophy, similar to yeah. that sort of thing. So, yeah, they've probably gone a bit hard and, and probably shouldn't have had the trophy in their hands at the time, but nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they went a little, a little bit too far. It's very hard to judge because times that I've gone and played and we've won like the final we've partied really hard that night but on the Monday we have to go back to work where these guys are on holiday now so they do literally just seem to celebrate for weeks um as we saw last year with um the storm um basically staying drunk until origin um yeah but yeah it's interesting I when when a, when a sort of rugby union and rugby league or um uh, people going to, um, what are they, I've got, administrators going to real, real realize you have to build indestructible trophies. Okay, <laughs> going. Why do you think the Round Philly Shield is just a plank of wood with the bits of metal um, hammered onto it? Because that way you can't damage it. You can take it to a strip bar and it's okay. Um, put all these handling things on that can get knocked off. No, no, stop it. 
solid piece of wood, a bit of rock that also works. Those are the good trophies. Okay, they'll survive because they're going to get thrown yeah. around. Or a big, or a big massive cup like the Bledisloe, where you can fill it up with a couple of boxes of uh, sponsors' product and sit yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was a bit. I think they, yeah, they've gone a bit too far in my opinion, but at least they haven't done anything um, illegal like some others have done in the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, so it's a step in the right direction. Still a long way to go, but it's a step in the right direction. Definite thug life here, Brad. Yeah, damaging <laughs> property is not illegal. They've not done anything illegal. It's okay. Oh, it's, it, it's different. It's better than cocaine, Paul, you know. Um, but yeah, okay. Damaging product, uh, property is illegal. My bad. Um, and, uh, another bit of news that it got officially, I had it on our list, um, as a, it's firming, but this is actually official. I had Simon's just put a comment saying damaging trophies, not a new thing. Canberra Raiders had a trophy damage. Um, that's right. Laurie Daly dropped it in a parade. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what can you do? But yeah, um, Red Cliff Dolphins. Um, I yeah, Max, you have to explain to the Aussie viewers what the Blair's Load is, Richie. Um, it's a good point, do you, Mark. Do you want to explain to the Aussie viewers what a Blair's Load Cup is? Yeah, it's the big, huge trophy you get when you beat the All Blacks. So it's been a uh, over 20 years now, I think. So they'll, yeah, they'll get I it think, back one day. I think all your children um, don't know what it's like to have wallabies having the blues load, Richie. No. Um, but yeah, the Redcliffe Dolphins have now officially been announced as the 17th team to join the NRL in 2023. Um, they will be dropping Redcliffe from their name and being referred to as the Dolphins. Um, a few, I'm in a NRL writing group, and a few of them were upset that they were just going to be called the Dolphins. Um, and then I, put through my head in the ring and said the Warriors generally don't get called the new, they are the New Zealand Warriors, but we dropped the warrior, uh, the region. We just call them the Warriors or even the Vodafone Warriors. So it's not a new thing in the NRL. And um, from my understanding, they want to do it because they want to try to bring in more than just the Redcliffe area into their um, catchment as um, for their fan group. They want to go to the greater Brisbane area. So I don't mm. mind um, as such, uh, but before I get your two cents on it, the Dolphins wasted little time um, in snatching up Wayne Bennett. They've signed yeah. him on a three-year deal with an option for a fourth. Um, so it's it's a long. I suppose he he's not really much of a risk, is he? Um, despite uh, I suppose the only risk is his age. But um, what are your thoughts first on the Dolphins being announced and second Wayne Bennett? I think it's cool. I think we all knew that it was going to be, I think the good mail was it was going to be the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins. I like that more than some of the other ones that have been thrown around, like the Firehawks. Um, so, and Dolphins already brings with it an established sort of, you know, um, infrastructure and, and fans and yep. whatnot. So uh, it has advantages there. And getting Wayne Bennett, uh, you're right, mate. I don't think it's much of a risk. I think even at, his age, he's still one of the very top coaches. He proved that again this year, and he still has a lot to offer. And if anybody's going to get a, a new franchise humming, he'd be one of the guys. So 
now it's just time to bring on some marquee signings and start assembling that roster. It will be interesting because uh, we've heard a lot that Cameron Munster's quite interested in going there, but Wayne Bennett's got quite a connection with Cody Walker as well. Yep. So I would be interested to see what happens with Cody Walker if he decides that he wants to jump ship and go back to Wayne Bennett because I think it, it's fair to say that Cody Walker's game has improved um, greatly since joining up with Bennett. Um no disrespect to Walker, I, he was a great player before, but I think he's gone that next step yes. since being with um, Bennett. And I think if he comes down a level with a new coach, that could be just what you need um, to lure him away. Uh, be sad for the Rabbitohs if you think like, in the space of a couple of years they lose Adam Reynolds and Cody Walker. Mm. Um, pure speculation from my part here, there's been no news that Walker is out the door. But um, Wayne Bennett has said a lot of kind words about him. Uh, so it wouldn't surprise me that he'd be first on his list of players he would like to get. He's the new Darius Boyd, is he? I think so. Um, Bennett always likes to have one. Um, yeah. And as he pulls us, have the NRL added the Dolphins to give Bennett a team to coach? I don't think so. I think they... He probably, if he knew there wasn't an option to get a team in Brisbane, he probably would have stayed with the Rabbitohs, to be fair. But um, it's kind of a win-win. I think he saw that once they announced there was going to be a team in the Brisbane area, I think he had his eyes set on that. And um, I, I don't know him personally. I don't know how big of an ego he has, but I'm fairly confident that he would know if there was any coaching job he wanted, he could walk in and get it. So... Um, I think you, you don't have to worry about I could ask to get this job and get told no. Um, and if that did happen, I'm pretty sure there's another 16 teams that would be interested in taking him. And yeah, Simon's mentioned it makes sense because Redcliffe only has 10,000 people. Um, but um, or I think that's 100,000. I'm not good with numbers, guys. Um, but yeah, it, it makes more sense in my eyes to to open it up. Um, you know, keep the dolphin um, to connect to that heritage, keep the colours mm. for the same reason, and um, yeah, try to develop and get their brand. And if the Broncos have another year like they've had the past two years, they might get a few um, bandwagon fans jumping ship. So it could be a good time for them to shine when they come in in twenty twenty three. But we had more and more signing news, not just Wayne Bennett. First up, um, it's been an ongoing theme the last couple of weeks, but we've actually got an official announcement now. Ash Taylor has officially signed a train and trial deal with the Warriors with a one-year top 30 deal on the cards if things go well. Um, I know we've talked about it at length already, but I still think it's uh, – I think I, I put a, a message out on Facebook, on my Facebook page, saying that I think it was a good idea – it's a low-risk, um, high-reward kind of deal. Uh, if it doesn't go well and the Warriors don't like what they see, they haven't really lost anything. Um, but if he does go well, um, then, you know, the Warriors have got themselves a, a decent player. And a one-year deal, he obviously he doesn't want to leave the Queensland area. He said as much. So hopefully when the Warriors move back, to New Zealand um, the following season for a more regular basis. He obviously won't want to come back, 
but if I think a hungry Ash Taylor um, on a one-year deal desperate to get a job at another NRL club um, will do wonders for the Warriors. What are you, what are your thoughts on it? Oh, I've already stated I'm a fan of I'm a fan of it, Brad. Um, yeah, I like the terms of the deal and it's incentive based for Ash. So we know he's a prodigious talent and a former rookie of the year and probably got massive money way too early on um, from Gold Coast. So you know, I think the deal shaped the way it is. It gives him every reason to come out very hungry and wanting to prove himself. Um, that he still has what it takes at this level. So hopefully it brings out the best in him and, you know, we see something something good out of him. Um, we know we've got Sean Johnson coming already and maybe it might be Chanel Harris-Tavita getting starting crack first up off the bat. Well, we don't know. But, um, yeah, it's the way this year went for us with a lot of injuries in key positions, I think it's a very smart move. Definitely. And we'll keep this uh, signing news going forward. Tyrone Peachy, we talked about last week. It's now official. He is a Tiger. Um, so that's good for the Tigers. They've finally actually landed someone they've, they've offered a deal to. Um, I think, yeah, Tyrone Peachy, I think, is a, a talented player. Uh, and I wouldn't have minded seeing him in a Warriors jersey if that ever happened. Um, it's I think the, the biggest thing for Peachy is to trying to figure out where he is best um, suited position-wise, if he's uh, a starter or if he's a utility off the bench. Uh, what do you what do you think the Tigers will do to him? You think he'll be a, a lock second rower straight out of the gate? I think that's probably a pretty decent idea. Uh, he's obviously someone they're going to want to have involved quite a lot. Uh, I don't think he's going to all of a sudden propel them and to a top eight side. So there's still other key pieces they'll be hopeful of landing, even though they're having a lot of problems landing any sort of name, good names. But I mean, for all the targets they've gone for and missed out on, at least they've got a player of note getting peachy here. But I yeah. think it's, they need maybe some extra help in the halves. Cause I think they've gone about eight seasons now with Luke Brooks and, um, for as much talent as he's got, he just doesn't seem to be able to take them to the next the next level, the promised land, the top eight. Yeah, and um, <laughs> Mark's commented saying he hopes it's not like the last time we signed a one-year deal to help rebuild a, a half career, uh, mentioning Kieran Foran. And in fairness, Kieran Foran did improve. He just improved after he left. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> He, he, he's almost back to his best with Manly now um, after a few up-and-down years with the Bulldogs, but he was a lot better. Um, oh, yeah, Mark's also mentioned they've got Jackson Hastings coming to the Tigers um, to help. Yeah, that's hearts. interesting. That's interesting to see how that goes because I know, you know, he he had a stuttering sort of NRL career before heading off to Super League, so it'll be interesting, interesting to see what he brings back from over there. I think he... Um, I think he's a, he's a talented half. I think when he was in the NRL, though, um, previously, I think his issue was attitude. Yeah. Um, and I think he, he hopefully has taken the time in the Super League to grow up a little. And, um, and yeah, if, if he's got his head in the right space, he, he could really help the Tigers. And 
brutally honest, they're going to need it. So, yeah. um, and yeah, there, Max also mentioned they've signed um, Oliver Gildart um, from the Super League. I've probably spelt his last, pronounced his last name wrong, but he's a centre that was linked with us um, for some time. So that that's going to help as well. And yeah, like I said, uh, they're going to need all the help they can get. So we, we'll see. But um, we talked about uh, yet another one we're just capping off from last week. Jamal um, Fogarty is now officially a Raider on a three-year deal after the Titans agreed to release him. It's um, I know the Raiders have kind of been hungry trying to snatch any player they can get, uh, but they've finally got one. Uh, it'd be interesting times for the Titans. Um, you know, I think as if Titans fans were told at the beginning of this year that two of their halves were going to be gone, um, they would laugh at you. I, I think they've lost um, the experience that Taylor had and the talent of Fogarty, but it's one of those situations where do you want to hold a guy that doesn't want to be with you to a contract or do you just let him go? Uh, the Warriors have had this many a time where they've just released players and people have been mm. upset, but if you've got a player that their heart's not in it, it it's not really going to benefit you and... Um, if, especially if you're paying them good money and you their heart's not in it and they sit on the sidelines, you're still paying that money. Um, so if you release them and use that money elsewhere, it's probably better for you. Uh, I suppose the biggest question is now um, who the halves will be for the Titans next season. Well, I think it'll be young Sexton coming through and also probably AJ Brimson moving in, into standoff. Which I think AJ is probably, you know, well suited to that position. But the worry for them is if they pick up any injuries in the halves and no more Jamal Fogarty and Ash Taylor to come through and back that up. So, yeah, interesting to see they what do happens have, there. They do have Paul Turner that they, they got off yeah. us this year. Yeah. So um, he could start seeing some more regular game time, which is part of the reason why he left the Warriors. So, Fingers crossed he, he gets his chance to shine, um, as I think he, he was a, a really no, nice talent that unfortunately was let go. Um, but yeah, Mark's continuing giving us all, all the news. Um, I saw I saw this, uh, but I had forgotten to mention it, but the Tigers are in talks with Shane Flanagan um, to bring him in as an assistant coach. Um, and that potentially could see um, his son um, try to get a release from the Bulldogs to link with his dad, um, which I wouldn't be surprised with, with all the players coming into the dogs. I don't know if Flanagan will see regular time, especially this year. He wasn't getting a lot of game time due to his fluctuating form. Um, I, I might sound, um, I might sound a bit pessimistic here, but I, um, I don't know if Flanagan would actually help the Tigers um, the son, sorry, not not oh. the coach. I think Shane I Flanagan would be a great yeah. coach. I was um, going to say. But, yeah, getting his, uh, luring his son there I don't think is going to help them. I, I don't think he's quite up to the task of being a regular NRL first grader, in my humble opinion. You never know, Brad. Change of scenery. You saw what he was like with the Roosters and, and I mean, that's, that's a different, it. different kettle of fish, obviously. I was going to say, the... the the Bulldogs were meant to be his change of scenery. No, but, you know, you put him somewhere, maybe if he showed up wherever his dad was, um, might bring out the best in him. Um, but but Shane Flanagan would be a good, if that 
third eventuate, that would be good for the Tigers. You'd probably see the players add some good muscle mass on. Yeah. I'll, I'll say cheekily. Yeah. And um, in the rumour mill, um, since we've closed off a lot of official uh, announcements, Adam Elliott's rumoured to be linked with the Raiders after being um, flipped out the door by the Bulldogs for his behaviour off the field. A uh, very talented player. Uh, I think a guy like Ricky Stewart could really um, could really uh, like straighten him out, I guess is the, the the PC way of saying it. So I think he could be a handy pickup for the Raiders. What, what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, and again, probably a change of scenery and Canberra's probably a good place for him to, you know, get out of get out of Sydney and go to a place like Canberra. It's probably, you know, not quite as exciting as Sydney. He might, maybe then he'll stay out of toilets with girls and things like that and just focus on his footy. Yeah, and Simon's just said, when is um, Flanagan's suspension for coaching meant to finish? I think it, I think it's this year, is isn't it? Already, it? Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I, think, I think he can, I, I'll put my conspiracy hat on and say that the Tigers are bringing him in in a, in a move to oust Maguire when they can and already have a guy in in the mix um, with my tinfoil hat on. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's that's what it is. And I saw um, Mark's got a good question, but we'll hold off um, on that until the question section. So we actually have questions to ask at that point. Um, and, yeah, Mark's also said, though, um, with Soyola uh, retiring, Elliot would be a, a good pick Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a good mix to go in um, in there. But uh, on Parramatta Eels' side, Brad Arthur's been re-signed um, as their coach until the end of 2024. Um, it was interesting because there were rumours earlier on this year that they were looking at getting rid of him when the Eels weren't doing that great. So um, I guess their, their little bit of increase in form in the back end of the year um, helped keep him in his job. Um, what do you reckon? I, I'm i not that surprised. It's not like there's a hell of a lot of great coaching talent that can come in and make your t- make the Eels better. I don't know if he's got what it takes to take him to the next level, but on that same token, I don't see any other coach that I think can fix their problems right now anyway. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a good move. Like exactly like you said, I don't think there's anyone out there better that that they'd want to replace him with, really. And it, it, he really hasn't done too bad with them when you look at the past couple of years. You know, they've they've been there or thereabouts. Uh, this year, they actually won a game in the finals, so um, yes, they're at least That's trending in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then we talked about this also last week. Um, Tamara Martin. Um, who we talked about making his return to league playing for Waikato in the New Zealand competition. He is eyeing a return to the NRL with the Broncos. So um, I was trying to talk him up about being a warrior. Um, He obviously hasn't been watching the show recently, unfortunately, um, and is looking at going to that woeful team in Brisbane. And um, it looks like, yeah, he's trying to get a deal with one of the reserve grades there as a way to get back into the swing of things. I think uh, we, we did talk about it last week. That'd be great to see him back. Um, if he, if he's back to hundred percent health wise, um, it's a bit scary. I, I can't even put myself in the shoes, having a brain bleed and then wanting to go back. Um, but I can understand it, um, as a former player of, um, very low stature. Um, 
the the itch to always go out there and run around again is always there. Um, so I'm not surprised. Uh, do you think the Broncos would be a good move for Martin? Yeah, provided he comes back. He's still only 26 years old as well. So, you know, he's got yeah. heaps of time on his side. And it, it, obviously before his health scare, he's extremely talented player. So I and couldn't hurt the Broncos stocks too, you know, if that, that were his destination, you know, with Milford going to South Sydney, uh, they've got Reynolds coming in and obviously they've still got Tyson Gamble. So it would add a bit more depth to that stock. But yeah, all, all, all depends on how he comes back, I guess, and how he how he copes with that next level up. Because playing here in the domestic NZ competition would be a um, different kettle of fish. Yeah, definitely. And then we've only got a few more bits of news since we're we're going on on long in the news section as we tend to do. Um, Andrew Abdo has confirmed that the bunker is here to stay for the time being, and at this stage, Ford Pass technology won't be available for next season. Um, he hasn't really mentioned anything about making changes to the bunker. It's the NRL, though, so we know that any changes will probably happen during next season. So um, what, are, what are your thoughts on um, his um, announcement about the bunker sticking around? Um, I'm not too surprised myself. No, me neither. Um, I kind of just, you know, kind of hope that they – wouldn't intervene so much during the game, you know, and, and if they were just sort of ruling on tries and that's, that's, I'm happy with that. But the amount that the bunker sort of inter, intervenes during the game nowadays, it get, gets a bit over the top in my opinion, but you know, I don't know. Uh, they don't inter, intervene in our games too much, Richie. Um, there's a few times but, where you see something called wrong and you're like, come on bunker, just whisper in the air and tell them they made the wrong call. They uh, only intervene in our games when it benefits <laughs> the other team. <laughs> Yeah. Um we'll 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 keep our tinfoil hats on for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um the last bit of news before we go into the Super League final is to do with the Super League. So um Toulouse um Olymp- Olympic has been promoted to the Super League um as we thought they would um after their thirty four to twelve victory over the Featherston Rovers in the million pound game. And uh, as we've mentioned and Simon's mentioned in the past, it will be the first time that there's been two French sides in the Super League. So it's great for French French Rugby League. And, um, yeah, good to see two teams there. Um, be nice to see them actually get to play in France again at some point, though, as well. But, yeah, it's good for helping build the game, especially when you think that that um, extra spot that they have now taken that was Lee's was originally with Toronto. And, um, yeah, hopefully they can build it a bit more in France and hopefully see some more French players develop for the international game as opposed to these French um, Super League teams just being full of Australians and Kiwis. Um, but, yeah, that's what I hope. What do you, what do you think? I, I know you're an avid French rugby league fan. Um, oh, since day one, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's cool. Like I say, good for the game. I, I I just hope they can come in and, and, you know, it's hard being promoted into a into a comp like that. So hopefully they can come in and be somewhat competitive. And, and if, if they are, it'll be good for the game over there. Yeah, and we'll, we may as well use that as our segue into the Super League final, which saw um, St. Helens uh, defeat Kellen Dragons 12-10 to 10 
what did you think of this match? Um, I thought it was quite quite an interesting um, watch. Um, and unfortunately, I was going for Catalan, so I was a bit upset at the end. But uh, what did you think of the game? Yeah, kind of much like the NRL grand final, you know, real tough and and really close. So I I felt sorry for Catalan, so I was pulling for them as well, and it would have been would have been great for for the French team to win the Super League, but just wasn't to be, you know. Kev Kev Nagama uh, came through clutch with a couple of tries, and Catalan's had one through Mike McKean, but you know. Um, with with Nagama getting the second one, sort of in the last quarter of the game, you know they were able to to level it up late, and then Coop kicked the conversion to to edge them out by two and hold on from there. So good competitive game. It's just a um, I, I thought it was a shame for the result. You know, like you kind of touched on last week, it's you, St Helens always see a lot of grand final action in the Super League, so it would have been nice for a new team to win it. Yeah, well, it's their third one in a row, so um, they they they're very used to winning them. And I see Simon corrected me. Um, Toulouse is the third French team in the Super League, um, so you see, it, I'll blame it on Richie not fat checking for me. Um, My bad. Yeah. Um, and Mark's also mentioned the Saint Helens won the women's Super League. Also, um, it's what do you mm. say? Saint Helens. It's they're very storm like to me. Um, yeah. In the Super League, where they are always in the running, there's been a few times where they've they've lost in the final, um, but nine times out of ten, you know they're they're probably the front runners to take the whole thing out. Um, mm. Yeah, you've already commented on um, Kevin Nakwama. Um, it was his final game. He he retired after it, and yeah, he was fantastic in it. Um, James Maloney, I thought, did really well in his final game. Um, <laughs> and um yeah uh yeah jimmy jimmy maloney i think he played well in his final professional game i know um he he's still playing on in lower grades in france because he he still has that itch but um yeah and mark's commented that he's going to be a massive loss for the dragons yeah. yeah i'd say if he was sticking around i would say pencil them in to potentially win the whole thing next year with him leaving uh I still think they're going to be strong. They've got too much talent, but he kind of gives them that edge. He's uh, a winner, so, isn't he? He yeah. takes that and, wherever he goes. He takes that same. You know, he's a winner. Yeah, and um, we already know what I'm going to say. But what did you think about the um, yellow card? <sighs> oh, <laughs> what are you you are you erring on the side of thug life? Are you on that one? Yeah, I think it was fine. <laughs> Come on, there was, there was nothing in it. I'm I'm with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Um just a couple old schoolers we are. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah, I, I guess. I, th- I I guess, but you know. What did you think? Yeah, no, I, I didn't think there was too much in it. I think there's been many a times we've seen things like that kind of let slip and yeah, exactly. generally generally in a in a Super League final or even like an NRL final, things like that kind of do go under the radar because of the situation. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess you you can say credit to the referee for um, not being swayed by it being a final and letting something slip. Uh, but yeah, just get rid of yellow cards forever. Just let everything happen. Just go hammer and tong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, anything else you want to add to the Super League before we move on, or no, not not really, mate. Just now, it's now rugby league's nearly gone gone for us. So it's it's you know one competition yes, at a time. It's getting darker for us. We do have the New Zealand national competition, yeah, we do. though. That's the um, last thing, which um, we'll, we'll talk about now. There, it's still very very um substandard right now due to the covid restrictions and the mm. the Auckland team's not been involved unfortunately but we had two games for the men um during the weekend and still one-sided affairs uh Otago defeated the West Coast 56 to 4 and Canterbury defeated Southland 38 to 18 uh only one game this weekend which is Canterbury versus Otago um, which might be the first close game or like proper competitive game. Um, so that will be an interesting watch. And then in the women's comp, we had two games as well, which was Wellington defeating Mid Central 22 to 12, and Canterbury um, defeating Upper Central 38 8. Um, and they've actually got three games with one interesting game in there, which as far as I've seen, is still confirmed, but they've got Upper Central versus Mid Central and Canterbury versus Wellington, but they've also got Counties versus Akarana, which is um, the Auckland team, and that's yeah. being played at Mount Smart, so I don't know if that's because they've decided they're going to let the Auckland teams play each other, um, and just that, um, but they haven't done that with the men's side, so... I'm not too sure. I was trying to find out to see if that was just an old um, draw that they forgot to take off, but it looks like it is booked in. Um, But yeah, interesting times. Um, It's unfortunate. I think um, Sky were really getting invested in trying to promote um, the national competition and to have the situation where you've got a lot of the, the key talented players um, not able to play due to restrictions. It just makes it unfortunate. We're seeing it in rugby union as well. Yeah. Um, I was hoping to at least have um, Roger Tuovasashek to watch with the NRL gone, but we don't get that with Auckland not allowed to play. But it also means that counties have only lost a handful of games this year. So that that is a good start <laughs> for me as a counties Manukau fan. But um, yeah, that's it for the, the National League. So we may as well jump into... Our questions. We had a couple of questions I saw, Paul, from um, from everyone in the in the chat. So we may as well start with them. As Paul's frantically trying to find them now. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> scrolling back, going, "Oh no, where do we leave it?" I remember doing. There was I one. know there was one from Mark. It was Mark, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to. It's it's to do with Cody. Um. Yes. So, while you're trying to find it, I believe it was if Ashley Taylor does get his one-year deal, um, what happens with Cody? Do we potentially offload him? Yes. I don't. I can't say that's word <laughs> for word what Mark said, but um, that's what I recall. Um, I'll let you go with it first, Richie. Uh, oh, yeah, there you go. If Ash Taylor is successful in securing a top 30 squad, um, do you think They'll be looking to offload Cody Nicarima. You go first. I wouldn't mind that because I, I feel like he's he's quite hit and miss for us, or has been quite hit and miss for us. You know, he had he has had his games where he's 
he's put his best foot forward, but they are a bit few and far between. I know he's at the he's at the end of his contract at the end of next season anyway, and I think that's going to segue into what I'm going to ask you, Brad. But um, yeah, I wouldn't mind if that happened. Yeah, how about you? To be to be honest, I think if he hadn't have taken his player option for next year, he wouldn't be at the club next year. I think they mm-hmm. would have let him go. So I I think that's um, exactly what's going to happen. If he does get a secure job, they might keep him in there just for depth and potentially to be that number 14, um, which I think is where he has shown promise at times. Um, but I think you, you're looking, pending everyone stays healthy, I think you're looking at Sean Johnson, Chanel and Taylor as your, mm. your three halves. Um, until we see what Taylor can deliver um i can't say who's going to take that spot with sean um i think chanel probably has got it penciled in right now um Mm. but if we get into trials and taylor looks the better out of the two you know taylor will probably get that gig and then chanel might potentially take that 14 utility spot um yeah and other and outside Outside of that, I'd like to see Altacolo get a get a bit of a run too, you know, um, yeah. that hooker if, if if the chance ever arose. So, yeah, from that standpoint, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if Cody was offloaded. Yeah, and um, were there any other questions there, Paul? Well, yes. Well, we'd go through. You seem to think this was a question, but I didn't think it was. So I was a bit a bit confused about. No, no, yeah, it was more a statement. Yeah, for that. And I think. Um, yeah. I think we're done. I think we're done. All right. Well, yep. good night, everyone. Um, we'll just leave. <laughs> um, so we may as well go with your question first because that kind of ties in, Richie. Yeah, sure. So I just had – I was looking at the uh, players off contract at the end of next season. So we've got Wade Egan, Tanoa Brown, Chanel Harris-Tavita, Montoya, Nikarima, and Jack Murchie. Out of that list, who would you be re-signing in? What what length of contract would you be offering them? Well, who would you who who would you not take off that list? At the moment, um, Nick Arima, Jack Murchie, and Tanoa Brown. I would keep Egan and Chanel. I it's nothing against oh and Montoya. Sorry, I'd keep Montoya yeah, as Montoya. well. Um, yeah. Nothing. I like Tanoa Brown, but um, I don't think he delivered as much as I expected him to this year. And it's fair to say the the forward stocks are stacked. I think, um, you know, you've got um, the Bruiser brothers up the front with um, Fenua Blake and, and Matt Lodge. Then you've got Bunty Ofoa, um, Aaron Penny from the Storm has come in. Um, there, there's some good talent there, and I think he's going to get lost in the shuffle. I put Jack Murch in that same category. Um, I had Jack Murchie above... Curran coming into this season. I thought Murchie really delivered, but Curran's kind of taken over that spot. You've got Tohu Harris as well, Katoa. There, there's just more players there um, that I think are, they're, they're more like depth cover, and I mm. don't know if Murchie's going to be staying. And yeah, um, Mark said he'd be keeping um, Tom Ali. Ali over, yeah, Tom Ali over Tanoa Brown, and I'm in the same boat. I, yep. I said I, I, I'm not going to try to brag or anything. I think it was years ago now. In one of my worries reviews, I had 
pointed out um, Tom in the lower grade, saying that he's going to be a bona fide NRL first grader once given the chance. He hasn't had that chance yet, but he's he's kind of been making every every match a winner in the reserve grade for Redcliffe. Mm. So I'm hoping that um, I haven't seen anything official um, from the Warriors saying that they've offered him an extension yet. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't. I think it's not like you're going to have to throw millions to keep him here. Um, it's just, but if they don't pick him up, someone else will. So I, yeah, I'd be keeping him instead. And yeah, um, JTB, yeah, Tanoa Brown, Nikarima, and Murchie would be the ones I'd be letting go. In terms of the length of contract, I don't, I don't like long contracts. I think it's risky. Um, mm. So I, I'd say two. Stretching at three. Um, I think sometimes you see players when they get like that big three or four year deal, they kind of take a back step because they've they've got that contract. And um, I think. I love the guy, but um, Conrad Aral kind of said as much. When he got that big deal with the Warriors, he kind of took a back step, and he knew that even if he didn't play well and they dropped him, he was still going to get that that big money that he got because of his performance. So I think if you reduce it a bit, you don't reduce it too little where they, um, where they know that they've got no safe future but short enough where they still have to keep pushing to keep their contract. And Simon said he's more of a fan of keeping long contracts for long, local players. Yeah. Um, if you've got a long-term for like a guy like Tom that we just talked about where yeah. he, he's a young guy, uh, a young local guy that you want to try to keep. Um, those ones, the ones that have to develop a bit more, I don't mind seeing the longer-term deals. I suppose it's counterintuitive to what I just said. But um, if you've got a guy that's young and still learning, um, if you give them a longer deal, like a four-year deal, and say, look, the first half of your deal, you're probably not going to be getting a lot of first grade, but we want you to learn, want you to build, as opposed to doing like a two-year deal and knowing that for two years they're not going to play first grade, Mm. um, you're kind of running the risk of developing them to go straight to the the Tigers or the Raiders, because they're the two teams that seem to be trying to get everyone right now. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, for those younger guys, I don't like seeing, like, um, a superstar coming in on a big deal, because sometimes you don't know what you get. Like, the Kane Evans situation, if yeah. they announced Kane Evans on a four-year deal, and then we saw what happened with Evans, um If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't, yeah. It's it's not for me. I um, No, I agree completely. I would have answered that exactly the same as you too, same length of contract and, and exact same players. But then, okay, saying that, uh, end of 2023, uh, how, what length of contract are you offering Reese Walsh then? Um. Ten-year deal, ten-year deal, yeah, a lifetime. Um, yeah, he he breaks the rule. Um, yeah. No, I, I I still think with Walsh, even then at the end of the deal, I still think I think it, it it's better for the player as well. Like if you're locked in, we've seen sometimes if you're locked in on that big deal, and then you blow it out of the water, mm. you've restricted how much you can potentially earn because you're locked in. Um, so I think like a three-year deal for Walsh at his age, he can go, I can get this much money for the next three years, but at the end of that, I'm going to get this much more if I keep going the trajectory I am. Um, so Warriors-wise, you'd want to lock him in on a long-term deal that gives him probably more money than what he's worth now to get to that point. But you know that if you do it that way, you're probably going to save yourself money in the back end uh, with all my high-tech CEO type talk there as a a renowned money maker. I was just going to say, mate, if anyone from the Warriors is watching, there you go. Brad's just put his CV in. Yeah. I've, I've played over a decade of Madden. I am being a GM <laughs> in there and working on player contracts. So I understand how it works. Um, but yeah, that's what I think. It's, it's all about trying to, you obviously want to play, um, give them enough money to stay, but not, give them too much um, where it, it hurts you um, in the negative aspect. Like Kane Evans again, we may as well, we, we'll beat up on him. I, I was beating we up on them all last week. Yeah, um, They offered him too much money and he wasn't worth it. So they lost that gamble. Um, but then they're getting guys like Sean Johnson on a low deal, Ash Taylor on a low deal, Matt Lodge on a low deal. So for Warriors speak, they're getting their money's worth in those aspects. And Mark said, you've got to have that marquee player on a long deal that you build your squad around. Yeah. So Walsh is that player for the Warriors right now. Um, so, yeah, he's the exception to the rule in terms of the Warriors. Um, in terms of other clubs, Tommy Turbo at Manly, um, I'd say Tedesco at the Roosters. Um, I guess I would probably say Puppenhausen at the Storm um, because I don't think Munster deserves that title. Um, and yeah, Simon says he thinks Kane Evans is going to feel sorry for what she was like. Yeah, um, I'm hoping he does well, um, in the Super League. I'm very yeah. happy that he's not a warrior anymore, don't get me wrong. 
Um, but yeah, I don't I don't wish him to the mines like Jesse Royal. Um, I'll go there. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, my question for you, Richie. Um, Jamie Soward, uh, God bless him. Um, he's predicted his 2022 ladder already. He, he's that hungry for the season to kick off again. And he's picked the Warriors to end the season at 14th place, two positions down from where they ended this season. What's What do you think of his take, and where do you see the Warriors ending up next year? Well, I'll start out by saying I've lost all respect for Jamie Soward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, honestly, I think all things equal, if we're able to stay healthier than we, and it's a big if, if we're able to stay healthier than we have this season and actually develop combinations, I think we're better off next year than we have been this year. I think we improve. Whether or not it takes us to the top eight remains to be seen, but, you know, I think we'll be pushing hard. If we're not in the top eight, we'll be pushing hard for it um, and go a lot closer than we did this year. We, we went pretty close this year, but, you know, then went, went backwards in our final three games. Um, but I think there were a lot of factors that hindered us this season, you know, injuries, suspensions, obviously playing away from home, and that's still going to be a drama next year. But it has it has its, you know, upside to it as well, where we're not hurt as badly through travel. Um, I think it really comes down to combinations and, and obviously how well uh, the people coming into the team slot in, like, for instance, Sean Johnson, how he slots back in. I, I think he brings a lot of upside. He made comment in his write-up about, you know, our halves too and not having a half that's going to control. I kind of somewhat disagree because I think Sean Johnson's changed his game a lot where he's become more of a controlling half and, and game manager rather than that explosive runner he used to be. Yeah. So um, yeah. in my opinion, I, I think we'll be slightly better off. What about you? Yeah, you kind of took it out of me there because um, that's where Marks also made a comment that I saw later on, which further made me um, <laughs> confident that Soward's wrong because um, yep. Soward had the Dragons in his top eight. Um, mm. But, yeah, when I saw his section about Sean Johnson and saying that Warriors don't have a half that can direct the play, he is meant to watch all the games like we do. I yeah. think Sean Johnson has been that half at the Sharks. You look at the game this year that they played the Warriors where Sean constantly had pressure on the Warriors with his kicking game and forcing repeat sets and stuff. And that's what the Warriors have been missing, a player mm. that does that. So I don't know why he takes that. It, I don't know if he's just thinking that Sean's going to come back to the Warriors and change how he's played the last few years to go back yeah. to what he was playing before. Um which I don't see happening. Um, I've, I've listened to his interview we did last week, um, which we didn't really cover. Um, we'll probably cover that a bit. Yeah, we'll probably cover that a bit more in our standoff awards yeah. um, anyway. But he he's kind of coming with the mindset of he knows the Warriors need someone that directs the team. Mm. So he knows what he's here for. Uh, so, yeah, I, I am, I'm always the, the cliche, it's our year type of Warriors fan when I take the um, writing and the show aspect away. And um, so I think top eight is where they sit. But I, if if it doesn't go well, I, 
I don't see them, worst case scenario, I see them ending up where they are now, which was 12th. Mm. Um, if things don't go their way, I don't see them being the third worst team in the competition. I because agree. you have the Dragons. The Dragons aren't making the eight. That's that's dreaming. If, if you ask me to put a number on it, I'd say six to eight. Yeah. That's where we'd be finishing. If You know, all things equal. I, I, that's what I'd say. And I think if we finishing... If we're finishing 14th, like he says, that's a big fail. But I think for us, with the squad we've got, if we don't make that top eight and we're nine, nine down, that's that's a bit of a you know backward step in my eyes. Yeah, and um, Simon's put a put a comment on about the Warriors saying he thinks they should play their away games in one block um, because they've done that with the Breakers for this year. Maybe they should look at doing that with the Warriors. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Um, at the moment, it's still all up in the air because of the COVID situation. Um, but yeah, I don't mind. I don't know if they want to do them all in one block, but maybe do them in spaces where you have like three home games in a row and then three or four away, then some more at home. Doing it more that instead of doing the it's you're playing at Mount Smart next week, you're playing in Perth, and then you're back at Mount Smart, then you're in Brisbane, and then back at Mount Smart in Sydney doing the week to week i know it's better for keeping the fans interested um but at the moment to be honest um the fans here are dying for a game so they they won't care um if they only get one game at home each month but yeah i'm not sure i I think the concept is you play all your home away games first because the idea is that the longer you leave it the more likely you are to have a travel travel bubble so that teams can travel in and out um so the idea your first half is away and your second half season's at home but yeah, we'll see. I think that's what they're they're aiming for for next season anyway, to try to get as many games at home at the back end. Um, I think we Mark commented last week that they're hoping to have um, six games in Redcliffe and then yeah. six games at Mount Smart. Um, I have all my fingers and toes crossed that that's a possibility um, because, yeah, a, a, a third year in a row with no games at Mount Smart will just be... Um, Terrible for this super selfish Warriors fan sitting here. Um, yeah, it's it'll be sad. But um, I think they were they were great questions um, by uh, me. We, and, we know uh, how no small a part of your life your Warriors are as well. They're they're all my life. I I am that that <laughs> super fan, Paul. I I have a Warriors tattoo. I I live and breathe the Warriors. It's all what I do. So um, I need them back. Folks, uh, yes, but Brad will miss family, family, hol- family uh, birthdays and celebrations and anything. Uh, yes, if, if it's um, not, uh, I'll miss the games. I've missed my own birthday for the Warriors, Paul. Um, I I don't even put myself about that. So um, yeah, they're they're the most important thing, um, and I miss them. If you're watching Warriors, please come home some point. I miss you. Um, but we may as well get into the standoff awards. I know that's what everyone's. Um, Oh yeah, Simon said you're not as a super fan as the Matt Butcher. No one is. Um, I don't like doing that whole I'm the biggest Warriors fan type thing because I think every Warriors fan um, that's in, like not a, a bandwagon as they like to say. Like the the day in, day out Warriors fans I think are all fantastic. But yeah, yeah. Matt Butcher's a different different beast. Um, he's a fantastic man and it's super I don't think you could get anyone that loves not just Warriors, but League in general more than the Butch. Mm. So no one will ever take that mantle off that man. Um, God bless him. 
but yeah, we may as well get into our standoff awards, Richie. Um, cool. I did I did this on my own last year, but um, we've kept all the same categories that I did last year, um, and a lot of them we had the same um, winner. So um, we've kept them, but ones where we differed, we've just picked one each. So we may as well go with the first one, which was our biggest surprise of the year. And um, we had that as Sean Johnson signing with the Warriors. So um, I'll let you go first on why this was your biggest surprise. I just didn't see it coming. It was out of left field for me. I, you know, a lot of the mail was he was signing and, and, I'm pleased he touched on his interview with Isaac John because I, I had a listen to that the other day and I th- I thought it was fantastic listening. Uh, he even said himself that he was 95% done with the Bulldogs and that's all the mail was is that Sean Johnson's pretty much a done deal with the Bulldogs and he went as far to say that he had a chat with Matt Burton and Matt Burton was keen for him to come and them to partner up and he was exci- Sean was excited by that prospect and it was really a conversation with Gus Gould that that um, sealed the deal, and, and then he came over. I think he had a round of golf with uh, the the Warriors owners and had a, had chats with Cam George, and from there on out, it happened pretty fast. So, yeah, yeah. It, it just came out yeah. of nowhere for me. So, and pleasantly so, I must say. Yeah, um, I think I, I covered it last week when we were um, on the Ruin Hammer show that um, it's. I wasn't that upset when he left uh, and the reaction in me internally when I saw the news that he signed was a surprise to me because um, I was I was quite giddy and excited, um, which I didn't expect. Um, we had been talking all year that it was crazy to think that Sean was on the market and the Warriors weren't looking at picking him up um, mm. or at least making a call. Um, so the fact that they did, and I think – um, that's the irony now that um, Gould is with the Bulldogs and Gould yeah. was like the the difference in stealing him away from the Bulldogs. But yeah, um, I think the fact that he was almost confirmed the week before, we basically said it's going to be announced in the next few days that Sean Johnson is a Bulldog. And then um, thankfully, I guess the bye week happened where um, there was a bye and he got to come back to New Zealand to visit yeah. family. If that bye week hadn't happened that week, I think we'd be seeing him and Burton in the halves next year for the Bulldogs 100%. But, um, mm. yeah, it's uh, great great there to have Sean Johnson in my awards um, for the first time. Uh, second um, award we're keeping with the Warriors theme is Rookie of the Year. Um, it's it's no surprise, but we've gone with Reese Walsh. Um, I'll, I'll take this one first. Um, yeah. I think... Um, I think, but uh, I know they said um, his suspensions. Well, I was going to say, I might have to sense this one because yeah, he's he's ineligible. He's, he's not allowed. No. To be, Jeez, he's not ineligible. Not oh, ineligible in the standoff awards, Paul. Yeah, it's that fucking moment. Um, but no, I I think he went above and beyond. I know Sam Walker did a lot of great things for the Roosters, but he was also in a Roosters team with guys like Tedesco. Um, Jared Warrior Hargraves and that helping him out. And he also got dropped from time to time during the season for having some patches, um, which weren't as great, which um, is expected from young guys in their first year. And for Reese, I think he went from strength to strength bar having a bad game um, at the kicking tee against the Broncos was really the downer. Um, 
obviously off-field dramas aside, there's some issues there that hopefully are going to be worked on by Gordon Tallis. But I think it's um, the future is bright for Walsh, and uh, I think he, he's um, very deserving of being Rookie of the Year. Yep, hundred percent was wasn't hard, hard to pick in my eyes. I think the difference between him and Sam Walker, he's come into our team and straight away, you know, he's become the man for our team, the go-to, um, the guy that wants the ball. Uh, you know, he took over the fullback spot, and Roger, before leaving, moved to the wing. Reese very quickly became our our you know go-to player. So for a guy that age, and then to get selected for rep footy even though he got injured um, so young, it yeah. shows the sort of impact he had. Definitely. And uh, next bit of award is the first one where we've got two. Um, it's the biggest blunder of the year award. Um, and this has gone to Lachlan Lewis brain snap at halftime and Kane Evans versus the Sharks. Um, we may as well take one each. Which one do you want to take? I was torn between the two, so I don't mind. Um, I'll let you know, Lachlan. Yeah, um, the Lachlan Lewis brain snap, um, the judo takedown at halftime. I know Cody gave him a bit of a sledge in the halftime. Hooters already gone, and he's pretty much done a UFC takedown on him and then wound up in the bin for 10, uh, you know, in the sin bin for 10 minutes for something that happened after halftime or during halftime. So I just thought it was super comical, and it it really stood out for me as, as... you know, a funny one, but definitely a big blunder for 2021. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. I thought the same. Um, this wasn't one we disagreed on. This is one we both, these were both two that we couldn't let slip. Um, the Kane Evans versus Sharks, what can you really say? It was probably the worst performance of a player I've seen in some time. Um, Simbin twice, um, just letting Will Chambers get under his skin, uh, throwing punches that missed everything. Uh, what can you say? It was it was a horrible performance, and I think that really sealed his fate um, in Warriors fans' eyes. Maybe not the Warriors club in itself yet. I think it was his return game where he got in trouble again that probably sealed the deal for him there. But, um, yeah, horrible game there. Um, and I think, yeah, two, two very deserving blunders for 2021. Um, we'll try to lighten it a bit after that with um, our next award, which was Best Facial here. Um, this is one we disagreed on. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't nominate myself, but um, I've gone for the second year in a row. I've gone with Regan Campbell Gillard for his his beautiful moustache. It's um, just glorious. I, I don't know how he how he keeps it like that without it interfering with his eating. I know from personal experience that um, it gets a bit awkward <laughs> when you've got it that long. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I try to trim around the the top um, just so you don't get um, beard hair in your mouth every time you eat something. But I think it's a great slug. Um, but you've gone with Aaron Woods. So um, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure we get, get past this. This this kind of this. Uh, uh, this um, I don't know this this uh, tri- beard trimming uh, lesson masterclass by. Um, by Brad, it's just it's it's wonderful. You got to you got to turn around in rich, Richie. What's that? You're feeling enriched, and, and you're so much more knowledgeable. Uh, I can't grow quality facial hair, so I'll leave that to the pros. <laughs> um, yeah, Brad, I'm I'm surprised actually. You you bring the full beard, and you've you've gone for just the slug. So 
come next season on the standoff, I'm expecting just to see a slug on you. Um, the moustache is the weakest part. It's the weakest <laughs> part of my game here. Um, I think if I shaved everything and left a moustache, you wouldn't even know. Um, Fair enough. It, it goes beautifully blonde um, as opposed to the ginger that's everywhere else. So, yeah, um, yeah it's... I, I'm I'm too scared to shave the rest of it off. I don't even know what I look like underneath there anymore. It's been years, so fair enough. Um, I, I I actually I went with Aaron Woods. I think you know the past couple of years he's brought a really glorious mane that always looks nice and well maintained. Um, I think his beard game the past couple of years has been a lot stronger than his league game. Um, so I thought he was a pretty solid choice. I I went for the full beard look. That's fair enough. Um, I want to give an honourable mention. I was very close to picking Morgan Harper, um, but it's meant to be best facial hair, and his facial hair makes him look very dodgy, so I don't know if he would win that category. But, um, yeah, I think great choices for a bit of a laugh. Um, we'll continue that trend on the next one, which is the worst haircut. Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, I had Dry Arrow for his um, mud flap mullet last year. But mm. um, I've gone, uh, well, we've both picked Ryan Puppenhausen and then you've picked Clint Gutherson. So yeah. I'll start with um, Puppenhausen. Uh, be controversial here. His mullety haircut that he's got now makes him look like a meth head. Um, <laughs> not 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 cutting any any corners there. He, he looks... Um, yeah, it's not a good look, in my opinion. Um, and then he's gone for the moustache as well. And the moustache. It's just, it's dodgy, uh, dodgy it all over. Um, <laughs> I can't, I don't like this category this year due to the fact that I, I can't really throw stones because I'm not even going to release what's underneath this beanie um, due to <laughs> lockdown. It's it's a mess. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think it was shocking. But you also went with Clint Gutherson. Um, so I'll let you explain. I had to mention Gutherson because for most of the season, he went with the long hair and, and man bun, which is, you know, that's something in itself. And then that's we almost got what to I've a... got now, Richie. <laughs> Say no more. Um, and then we, got to, <laughs> then we got to the back end of the season. He decides to shave it off and leave a rat's tail. So I had to pick him because he almost had, you know, two, two really two really rubbish cuts um so i couldn't go past them yeah definitely i think two two worthy ones um the nrl is always known for having horrible haircuts so uh, i think odds are we'll probably have a completely different player this time next year for for worse haircut i'm sure um but we'll get into some serious uh awards again now which the next one was signing of the year um we both picked the same player here so it's no surprise um, Isaiah Papali'i, um, I think, yeah, goes without saying. I think he he has probably had his best year in the NRL this year um, after getting a change of scenery, leaving the Warriors. Um, very strong um, player. I think he, he's kind of gone from being a, a guy that looked almost, if he kept going the way he was with the Warriors, being Super League bound, to being a, almost a shoe in to be a starter for the Kiwis. Um, so, Fantastic for him. Um, sad he didn't play like that for the Warriors in his last year. But, yeah, hands down, I think, the the best signing this year for me. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, 100%. You said it 
exactly right. He's he's gone from a player that you know the was cast away at the Warriors, and then the Eels have picked him up on a on a bargain deal versus what he put up put out on the field. You know he he went from being unwanted at the Warriors to probably the best second rower in the competition this year, which was just such a remarkable rise. Um, yeah. you, you can't really not pick him for this award. Yeah, 100%. So well-deserved. And um, hopefully we can talk about Sean Johnson in this category next year for the yeah. Warriors. Um, but the next next one um, is also a, a second uh, year in a row winner, which is Hit of the Year, Chanel Harris-DeVita. He won it last year for his hit on Liam Martin. This year he's won it for his hit on Brandon Smith, where he he cut the he cut the cheese in half and um, caused the knock on, and um, probably one of the only decent showings in in that game against the Storm. Bar Kim Mamalo's hat trick in his final game. Uh, what did you think of the hit? Uh, I'm always a fan. Um, Want to clarify this is hit of the year, not tackle of the year, because um, as we've we've been saying all year, I'm a bit of a thug, so. Uh, it's all about the contact for me here. Uh, yeah, this hit reminded me the first time I, I laid on, uh, you know, I, I saw my missus. Um, that's how good the hit was. Um, <laughs> not not too many people, um, you know, stop the cheese in his tracks and, and make him go backwards. And, yeah, it was it was very enjoyable, I must say. Yeah, don't tell my missus, don't tell my missus, Brad. <laughs> yeah, <great. laughs> Um, um, and that takes us, we'll, we'll move on quickly from that one to um, try of the year, which um, is Tommy Turbo in the same try that he won try of the year in the NRL this year um, against the Cowboys, which I should have put a, a, a slash in here and said Ruben Garrick slash Tommy Turbo because it was really Garrick that did all the work. But um, it was probably the best try I've seen in some time um, going from deep inside your own end goal, length of the field, um, not really much more you can say. Yeah, that was magnificent. I, I don't think uh, many other tries would have come close to this one this year. You'd need to go back and look at some wizardry backflip passes like Nathan Friend did to come close to that. So that was a pretty special effort. Yeah, and our last award for... Um, the kind of fun ones is personality of the year, which we've given to Brian Toto. Um, I know you put in your comments, um, you would have put Brandon Smith there, but off field dramas kind of uh, took him away for you there. Um, despite the fact that we've picked Walsh, but um, I think I Brian Toto was the one for me. I had um, Brandon Smith last year, but I think Brian Toto, um, as much as I've grown to dislike the Panthers this year, Brian Toto was always entertaining off the field, um, mm. doing his singing duets and, um, you know, completely um, taking the grand final win off the table when he proposed to his partner straight yeah. after the game. And he's always been a bit of a character. I think before, during the, the grand final breakfast, turning up in a wheelchair because everyone was concerned about his ankle, and he was like playing a little joke on on the fans and the media, um, but yeah, just seemed to be a great character. And um, he's also been a great story um, as a, a winger that was told he was too small mm. um, to to make it in the NRL and to also go and be quite dominant in State of Origin as well. So um, great year for Toto, and um, yeah, 
hopefully he gives us some um, funny moments in 2022. Yeah, I th- you said it perfectly, Brad. I think he's magnificent uh, personality off the field to match his beast, beast performances on the field. You know, he's you named some of the things, the, the proposal and whatnot, and also being a young fella making State of Origin for the first time and you see him, you know, behind the scenes with a boom box and so casual. Uh, yeah, super fun guy. And I think I'm sort of similar to you with the, the Panthers aren't exactly high up on my favourite team list, but I, I actually do really like Brian Toto. I think he's great. Yeah. And um, now we get into the serious awards. Um, next up, we've got the most improved team, um, which we both decided was manly. Um, we could have put an asterisk here as well and just said Tommy Turbo. Um, but Manly went from being a team that were 0-4 and four at the start in the first month of the season and then uh, almost got into the grand final. And um, coincidentally, it was also around, like a lot of influence from their superstar fullback. But they really became like fully um, hard on my sleeve here. I have hated Manly for as long as I can remember. And this year they were winning me over um, just with how exciting they were on the field. Um, they're still that arrogant team that you come to know, but um, they were doing it in style. And I really wanted to see them go all the way, but it wasn't to be. But yeah, I think um, they were a team that I had penciled in that they potentially could have been a wooden spooner this year. So to go so close to the grand final when I had them not making the eight, I um, I think was just fantastic for them. Yeah, I think this one was an easy choice. Like you said, Brad, they were running last. Their, their uh, for and against was terrible. They, they they were going so bad. And I like, I'd like to credit the Warriors with a bit of an assist here because we actually played them back into form. Um, That's right. Yeah. And so, it's... yeah, like you said, I've always hated Manly, but they're playing such a brilliant brand of footy this year. It was hard not to sort of jump on board with what they were doing. Yeah. And um, that goes into our next award, which is Most Improved Player, um, which we've given to Isaiah Papali'i for um, his second award to win this year. Um, basically, rinse and repeat what we said for signing of the year. He, yeah, he basically, yeah, like I said, he went from basically being Super League bound to um, one of the best in his position in the competition. So, um, yeah, fantastic. And hopefully it's just a sign of things to come for, for the young man. Yeah, easy choice this one, eh? Yeah. Um, then this one we had to, to pick. Uh, we, we couldn't really narrow it down. Room for improvement. Uh, we've gone with the Raiders and the Tigers. Um, Raiders were... Um, <laughs> Simon's <laughs> mentioned that he's very disappointed in our pro-manly talk. Sorry, Simon. Uh, so am I. Disappointed I'm in myself disappointed. too. But yeah. Um, yeah, biggest room for improvement. I um, went with the Raiders as well. Yeah. Um, I think the Raiders were in talks to be a, a potential grand finalist um, and they didn't even make the eight. They just slumped. Um, uh, they weren't helped with um, George Williams getting homesick and wanting to go home early. Uh, that really derailed them, I think. And um, they just, I, I think they are always still a potential top eight side every year. Um and yeah, I think the Tigers, Tigers are my wooden spoon next year. 
Um, I know I've been saying dragons, but I think realistically, I think tigers have got nowhere to go but 16th. Um, Simon's also said he thinks both teams are disappointed for different reasons. Hopefully the West can get up to ninth place. Ninth place is their spot, so hopefully they can get back there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what are your what are your takes on the team? But I think he makes a good point. They're disappointing for different yeah. reasons. I was just um, going to say, uh, Simon's hit the nail on the head there. It's different reasons. The Raiders, basically because I was expecting them to be pushing for a top four. You know, in the scheme of things, they were still pushing hard and nearly pinched eighth spot and, and would have still been a top eight team. But from where most people would have expected them to finish it, it was a disappointing season for them. So and so I'm sure they'll be looking still a lot better next year. And the Tigers, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they've just got a lot of room for improvement. It's been such a long time since they've made the eight now and, and they didn't look any cl- closer this year. In fact, they've gone backwards. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, hopefully only way is up for the Tigers from here. Yeah, and uh, next award is Story of the Year. Um, so I'll fill you in on this one. Our Story of the Year is Head Contact Crackdowns. Um, the Story of the Year last year, Richie, just to keep you in the loop, because I know until you joined the show, you never watched it because you don't support me. Um, <laughs> but the Story of the Year last year was Cameron Smith. Um, mm. So it was every week, um, Paul would attest to it because he, he was stuck here with me. Um, every week it was... Cameron's going to go to the Titans or the Broncos. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Every week it was, what was he going to do? Was he going to go to a club? Was he going to retire? So that was my story of the year because it was what we talked about all the time. And I think we kind of had the same idea this year when we've picked the um, head contact crackdown because every week we're talking about it. I know we had bug life because Brad doesn't believe in head contacts, (laughs) but um, yeah, every week it was something we constantly talked about and, they kind of backpedaled towards the end of the year as we went. But um, like Magic Rounds, I think, was where it, it started, where um, if you looked at a player's head, you were sent to the bin. Um, and then it progressed. And I'm not really sure what's going to happen when we hit the ground next season, um, if they're going to go back or if it's just going to be um, like the good old days, as they say. Um, but, yeah, why do you pick, pick it here, Richie? Yeah, just because it, it sort of it seemed reactionary to a couple of bad hits we had earlier in the season, and then it was, and this is why I, you know, this is where the mid-season changes of rules or interpretations is a bit weird and comes unstuck, because the referees for a long period mid-season there looked like they had, uh, you know, they didn't want to send some people off but kind of felt like they had to almost and then towards the end of the season the interpretations look like they they softened slightly so it's like they were fine-tuning it on the fly and and seeing what you know what was deemed send off worthy or sin bin worthy so that's where it gets a bit weird and murky when you're changing things mid-season but it just turned it into such a big saga that dragged on and like you say we were talking about it week after week for for a good period of the season there. Yeah. I'm hoping that the off season gives them time to actually sit down and draw a line in the sand on what, yeah. what they deem as Simbin worthy, um, report worthy and what have you. So the players, the fans and the refs are all on the same page starting next season. Cause yeah, I don't think 
changing it um, halfway through the year um, didn't help anybody. Um, mm. And yeah, and hopefully they, when they make the rule, there aren't protected players like we saw this year, where some players yes. could do it, some players couldn't. Um, say like an Ivan Cleary could do it and get away with it. Uh, Jack Hetherington or Matt Lodge could accidentally um, touch a hair follicle on another player and be gone for 10 weeks with suspensions. If they fix that kind of bias, um, I think it will go a long way because there, I, I, there are protected species out there um, that can get away with things that others can't. And um, I'd rather let everyone get away with it or no one. Um, they, they're just going to draw a line in the sand in my eyes. Um that takes us to uh, our second to last award, which is one we disagreed on, which was team of the year. Um, I've picked the Melbourne Storm, and you've gone with the cliche picking the grand finalists with the Panthers. <laughs> um, so they won, so I'll let you have the second say because they won the whole thing. I'm going to go with Melbourne. I think Melbourne were um, – they didn't go all the way. They saved their worst game to last. But I think from start to finish, I think they were pretty much – more dominant than the Panthers throughout the year. The The Panthers started well, and then they kind of fell off during origin where Melbourne continued playing well. Um, so I've picked them for team of the year for me, just due from start to finish. I think they were the, the best overall. Um, they didn't get the high honors, but in your defense, I know you've gone with the easy pick here, but I went with the easy pick last year. No, I didn't. No, I picked the Panthers last year, even though they didn't win. For the same reason, I thought they were better for the the majority. So I'm sticking with my trend of um, being bold. Um, sure. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and that's too. I'm biased. I don't like the Panthers <laughs> this year, so I'm not picking them. Um, and Simon said um, he he would pick the Dragons, Catalan Dragons, Um as their team of the year. That's good too. Um, we we always forget the Super League. Um, with here, we're very NRL heavy. But I think they're in the running too, so we can ask Richie why he didn't pick them instead of the Panthers. Well, I would have picked the Warriors <laughs> for holding the comp together for another year uh, and playing away from home, but I didn't want to look like a moron picking somebody that finished in the bottom, bottom eight. Um, yeah. Pick the Panthers. They won. They went all the way. Uh, what more can you ask for? That's what, what every team's goal at the start of the season is to do is to win the comp, and they did it. So uh, as much as I'm not a big fan of theirs, you got to give them kudos. Yeah, and like Paul said, Richard didn't watch Catalans at all this year, I so he can't pick so, them. Paul. I'm, I'm their no. number one fan. <laughs> Who's their captain? Doesn't matter. James Maloney. <laughs> He's the winner. Uh, He's not obviously, he's not evidently. <laughs> um, and then that takes us to our final award. I think this one was probably the most obvious, which was player of the year. Um, we've both picked Tommy Turbo. I, I think even if you want to bring Super League in with how great Sam Tompkins and James Maloney were for Catalans, um, I think no player um, added more value to their team than Tommy Turbo. He effectively, we already talked about Manly improving this year. He was basically the, the sole reason for that. By the Warriors handing them their first win of the year without him. Um, I think, yeah, 
no one no one did more than Tommy Turbo uh, this year. I think he was outstanding. Um, he's probably the reason why I've softened on Manly. I, I don't think it's Manly that I like. It's Tommy Turbo. I, I think I just really enjoy watching Tommy um, because that kind of hatred I had for Manly kind of came back whenever Tommy Turbo wasn't playing. Um, so I, I think it's that DCE factor. I don't like DCE unless he's in a Maroons jersey. So, um, yeah, I think he was head and shoulders above everyone in the competition this year. Um, I Last year I had either, uh, Nathan Cleary. And I think Nathan Cleary was second for me here um, due to the impact he had on the Panthers. Um, when you saw when he wasn't playing, the Panthers kind of fell apart, mm. which is exactly what happens with Manly. Um, but yeah, Tommy Turbo um, just was amazing this year and hopefully um, has an injury-free year next year to go on and build on this season that he had. Mm. Um, some might argue, Brad, that even at playing for Manly, that DCE still wearing a maroon jersey. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. But it's hard to pick anybody else other than Tommy. Statistically, it's just such a ridiculous season. You might not see anything like it again. Um, yeah. I know it's the game nowadays is different, and, and for the whole majority of the season, the game was sped up with six again, so really brings attacking players like Tommy Turbo into the game. But just if you look statistically, line breaks, line break assists, try assists, try scored, not just club not just Clubland, but also Rep Footy. He's just had such a dominant year. It's it's hard to pick anybody else. I don't think anybody else came close this year. Maybe Nathan Cleary, but again, still not quite in that same ballpark. Yeah. So that's that's our awards for the year. Um, I think a, a good thing about the, the NRL and the our show in general is that it isn't always the same players every year. Like, obviously, teams like Melbourne and um Penrith are in the running for team of the year all the time because they're like the top two teams in the comp but to have um like so many different players coming in I think signing of the year I don't even remember who I had last year Paul um you know I know Paul remembers everything so um uh, signing of the year I had as I've got it here I had Api Coruscant um last year it was very Panthers heavy um due to the man crush I had mm-hmm. last year on, Produ- on Manly. Producer of the year uh, was, only a, was only a one-horse race, Paul. Producer of the year had to go to you, was, mate. It was hands down me um, for the, the brief <laughs> stints I had as producer, um, showing showing that um, Paul Paul doesn't do too much in the background. You know, it, it, it's not too hard. Um, no, um, but that's actually a good segue into the last segment before we sign off, which is reflecting on season two of the standoff we may as well go with that first with a a huge thank you to paul for not only um doing everything in the background but providing a platform for two idiots to talk about rugby league every week um so yeah huge thank you to paul in the background um for all the tireless work he does and um i'll let you go first um it's your first year um doing the standoff and um just your thoughts on the season your your first year as a host and I, any memories you have. Do I get rookie of the year? No. Oh, fair enough. Okay. So 
<laughs> you're a hard judge. Um, no, I've just had a lot of fun, Brad. You know, we've always we've always enjoyed having a good yarn about league and and going to watch a lot of league together over the years. So, you know, it's cool to just take it to this platform and, and engage with other people who who like to come in and, and chat about it as well and and you know meet some awesome people. Obviously, like. Um, Simon, who re- regularly contributes to the chat, and, and Mark, and obviously Nigel, we'll just see N- Nigel pop up. Such great contributors and, and people to engage with. Um, and then obviously you, Brad, it's, it's fun to yeah. throw, throw bits and pieces about off time. each other. Yeah. About, oh. about time you mentioned me. You know. so they say the best for last, maybe. Um, <laughs> nah, it's just good to obviously have, have a weekly weekly spot where we can do this and, and, you know, just have a bit of fun. So yeah. Thanks for having me on. And obviously thanks to Paul and all the, all the viewers. Like I said, it's been, it's been a fun time for me. Yeah. And I um, appreciate you jumping on. Um, I know the first season of the standoff was um, interesting. Uh, my first time sitting in front of a camera and um, mm. doing and doing a lot of the shows last year, with just myself talking to the camera with Paul tirelessly working in the background. Um, it, it made it sometimes very challenging, um, especially with um, the Warriors not playing at Mount Smart and uh, this poor little Warriors fan falling deeper and deeper into depression about the <laughs> Warriors not being here. I'm sitting and talking about the, the Warriors from afar um, was hard. I think this year, if I had to do it on my own with how the Warriors played, it probably would have broken me. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, all the usuals that um, are always here every week watching, you know, can't thank you guys enough. Um, Got to thank Ruin Hammer as well. Um, yeah, Mark and, um, and Robert there um, for not only um, watching the show when they can, they do shows the same night. So they don't always get to watch it to the back end. Um, but also for joining us on our 50th episode. I think that was great to actually have 50 episodes. Um, Huge thank you um, to you as well. Um, I don't know if anyone really knows it, but it's kind of your fault that this has all happened because years ago um, it was you that told me to start writing about the Warriors, um, which started me on this journey that we're on now um, where Paul Paul found some, some poor slop that um, wrote about rugby league and asked to do this. So, um, yeah, huge thank you to you and to Paul for um, giving me a chance to run my mouth every week, which is what I love to do. So, um, yeah, in terms of memories for this year, I think the 50th episode for me is probably it. Yeah, to, um, that was fun. Had a, had a milestone like that. I expected Paul to, to kind of kick me off after two or three episodes last year. So um, to go that far um is is pretty good and i know um we're we're kind of the only little little um black sheep in your rugby union family on here paul so (laughs) it's it's nice to keep the the better version of the game on on new zealand um sport radio for a little bit you know well no look thank you guys for 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 doing this we've done I've, i've tried to set up cricket shows basketball football other shows and this and people go yeah i'd love to do it and they don't actually realize how much work it is at the end of the day and it's a whole chunk of work so thank you guys for for for, for, for doing that work um it's great to have two mates who love to chat to each other about 
a game they love to talk about. Um, and so it, it's well, worth, I wouldn't uh, go. I wouldn't go that far, Paul. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the end of the day, so uh, so yeah, so thank uh, thank you guys for for, for doing it, and putting in the effort. Um, enjoy Pleasure. your off season. Uh, you obviously, as as you both know, you're you're welcome. Whenever there's any big news, you want to do a special. Uh, we can throw in a few specials during the off season, maybe. Uh, this is yeah, the you're stealing, you're, you're stealing my thunder here, Paul. I, I've got that on my next slide. <sighs> Sorry, um, this is the 59th um, episode that you guys that, that, that we've done of the standoff. So well done. Yeah, on that one, I think you've done every single one, Brad. I've not. So I've not been there for every single one. So um, yeah, I'm the only one that's been here every time. But you know, that's the that's either the commitment I have or the lack of a life. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so no, it's it's I do appreciate the effort you guys put in, and uh, it's a it's, it's an honor and a privilege to to be able to host it for you guys. Cheers, yes, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, that leads us to signing off. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for tuning in tonight and joining us on the standoff with Brad and Richie. It's a wrap on season two um, for us, but like Paul just mentioned, there will be bonus episodes throughout the off season. I am sure um, whenever any big news develops. So no, I've already, we said last week, we'll most likely do an episode at the end of this month or beginning of next month when the NRL announces the draw where I think we'll, we'll get together and do uh, a special episode going over the draw and um, how much the NRL have screwed the Warriors over with their draw, like they do every year. Um, but, yeah, and any other big news that develops. Um, so keep an eye on the New Zealand Sport Radio and the Ingers League wrap-up Facebook pages um, for news on when these episodes will be because Paul will share it on that. I'll share it on mine just to make sure you actually know. So keep an eye on those Facebook pages. Um Paul's always a lot more busier on his Facebook page than me. Um, so always keep an eye on that one anyway for all the other content Paul does. Um, and, yeah, I'll try to do stuff on my one um, to, to keep keep League alive in the off-season. Um, but, yeah, thank you, everyone, for joining us again. Thank you, Richie. Um, you. I know we've gone a bit long this, this, this week, but got to try to get the most of it since there's no show next week. Um, but, yeah, thanks. Thank you, everyone, and um, until we see you uh, for the next bonus episode, um, hope you <laughs> have a good one. Um, and, yes, Paul, I'll shut up now. Um, thank you, and good night. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.